0: Good morning. This is John Murtha with WNZN. Coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Very happy you tuned in this morning. I'm in the radio uh, studio with my good friend and engineer and actually director of WNZN Power Radio, Mark Ballard. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, John. Good morning. And my good friend and assistant, David Abut. Good morning, David. Good morning, John. Great to be here. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Great to be here on an autumn oh, morning. Yeah. Another a, beautiful morning. A little bit rainy, big weekend. In, last weekend was a big weekend in Cleveland with the Browns and the Indians <laughs> going at it. But uh, really, we're very yeah. happy you tuned in this morning. Uh, I think we have a great show. We're going to have a special guest coming in a little bit later. This uh, lady has tremendous ministry with Campus Crusade to the Immigration Uh, population in northeast Ohio and beyond actually lived in Europe for many years going to talk about this a big issue today and we're going to see how do we as believers as Christians Mm -hmm. uh, deal with this and and minister and get a kind of our hands around this uh, very very big issue that's happening in uh, not just America but really there's never been a movement of people displaced people since the end of World War II as there is right now today and and, uh, I mean in the world yeah through war, mm-hmm. through famine, yep. through persecution, just the movement of people, displaced people. And how do we then, uh, as Christians, respond to that, yep. uh, as Christ mm-hmm. would have us to do. So that will be happening just a little bit later. And then we have some other special guests we have lined up in the near future. We'll be talking more about that as time goes along. But if you're having any problem uh, listening to the show, if the audio isn't that great, you can live stream us. Just go to your computer and put in www wnzn.org. once again that's www.wnzn.org and you'll be able to live stream us and if you want to call in you have a question you have a comment uh, please call 440-399-3044 that's 440-399-3044 so i wanted to open up david just a little bit by going to the first chapter of the gospel of john uh, the Gospel of John, of course, is, is very interesting. It's different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're right. known as the Synoptic. They're uh-huh. very similar in in how they present Christ, but John is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And we looked at that before. But when you look at John chapter one, right. the first time Jesus speaks, the what's called the principle of first mention, or the first time he makes a comment, in verse thirty-eight, mm-hmm. he's uh, son of, some of John the Baptist disciples are following jesus and he turns to them and he says what do you seek?" in other words what are you looking for right i think that's very important that's the lead opening statement that jesus makes in the gospel of john but it's a statement to all of humanity and all of mankind and all of us today what are you looking for in life do you ever think about this what is it i mean some people are looking for early retirement career advancement Uh, legacy for my children. Mm -hmm. I just want to be healthy. I just maybe want to get a condo in Florida someday. (laughs) I mean, what is it we really want in life? And you know, a lot of people have not identified this. Mm -hmm. Now that's his first question. But then after that, he offers an invitation. His next statement is what?
1: They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And then in uh, verse 39, come, he replied, and you will see. Come and see. Yeah.
0: So first thing he asks a question, then he gives an invitation. Right. And the way I see this come and see, Jesus is offering us evidence. Come and look at my life. Right. Come and look at what I profess and what I've done. Mm -hmm. This may answer your question of what are you seeking. Yeah. You see how those two go together. First a question, then an invitation. So I want to look at it for a couple minutes this morning before Christie gets here, mm-hmm. is a wide spectrum of people that had different goals or spiritual aspirations and how Paul addresses this in Acts of the Apostle. We'll be turning to Acts of the Apostles chapter 17. Acts of the Apostles chapter 17. Now, as you look at this, uh, Acts chapter 17, you see, Paul, this is what's known as the second missionary journey. Yeah. Uh, Paul is going basically through the Roman Empire. Right. He, he, I've been involved in missions for over close to 35 years now, and Paul is the model. Yes. Paul, yeah. what he, he does, that. Yep. he offers us a model, an example. Mm-hmm. He's very instructive. He doesn't go alone. He goes in teams. Mm-hmm. He tends to go to cities. <laughs> right. Well, what's back then was where people would come. Not only to sell and to buy, but that's where the sources of learning were. Mm -hmm. That's where people were more open to new ideas. That's where the pagan temples were. We call them in uh, in missions, big cities are people pumps. People come, they go, they come, Mm -hmm. they go. And it's often easier to reach people there after they left the farm. After they come out from the rural areas, they come to the big cities, even today. And they're more open to new ideas, Right. hence the gospel. So if you look, David, if you uh-huh. wanted to read yeah, it. chapter look. 17, right. and just read, if you will, um, verses 1 through 3. Sure. When Paul and his companions had
1: passed through um, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said.
0: Thank you, David. Yep. So here's the introduction. Why do you think Paul, when he comes to a new city, goes to a synagogue first?
1: Uh, I, I would assume there's people there that are, you know...
0: Not only are they Jewish, yeah, but they're also They have the scriptures, yeah. Old Testament scriptures. Right. But what's Paul's so to speak occupation? What is he? He's a rabbi. Yeah, he's a rabbi. He so uh-huh. whenever a rabbi, a visiting rabbi would come to town, right. especially if he was somewhat famous, uh-huh. they would give an invitation. It's a little like if an evangelist would come to Cleveland oh, sure. with some yeah. reputation, yeah. a church may invite him in. Hey, mm-hmm. come on in and share teach, give a sermon. So they invite Paul in. In sales, he's going to what's known as your warm market. Yeah, He's sure. going to people that you would first contact that may have some yeah. commonality with you. Yeah. So he goes there, and it says, for three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Mm-hmm. This word reason is very important. Why? Christianity is a reasonable faith. Christianity offers us a reasonable yeah, explanation right. for life's situation. Remember I said... The opening question of Jesus, what are you seeking? Right. Well, these people were seeking how to know God and how to obey God. That's why they're in the synagogue on a Sabbath with the scriptures. But Paul's going to go in there and reason with them, right. make a case for, if sure. you will, Jesus Christ and the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it says, for three Sabbaths, he reasoned th- with them from the scriptures. What scriptures? What scriptures would they have? in a synagogue at this time only the old yeah, testament, the old testament. Oh, that's yeah. all yeah. they have the, the new testament is in, in process oh, right. now it's not yeah. been written and of course jewish people in a synagogue wouldn't have the new testament no, you know? no. but he, he he proves christ using the old testament yeah this very important point oh, we're going to yeah. pick up on later and it says he doesn't only reason with them it also uses the word he explains and he proves like a lawyer Laying down evidence. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah, look at his
1: background. So he was able to do he that. He was able to do that. Yeah.
0: And then he says he's able to preach Jesus. Uh, and he, and what does he show? His death, that yeah. Jesus had to suffer and rise. rise from the That's dead, your yeah. essential gospel. Jesus came according to the scriptures. Yeah. He died right. and he rose. Mm-hmm. That separates us from any other religion. Yes, No other religion, Confucius, Buddhism, Islam, Scientology, mm-hmm. has a dead a a, a crucified and rising Savior. They have what they would call a teacher or a prophet, Uh not so Christianity. And then it says, look at the result of that in verse 4.
1: Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women.
0: So as a result of his teaching, people were persuaded to become believers. But then in verse 5 it says, but the Jews who were not persuaded... So yeah, this this is but other typical Jews today. Were
1: jealous, right?
0: Either they're going to right. accept or they're going to reject. But in that rejection, they actually are going to persecute. You see that in verse five. Mm-hmm. It says they they took some evil men. They gathered a mob. There was an uproar. They attacked the house of Jason. This is where Paul was. So there you see the response to the gospel. Yeah, they were jealous. Exactly. Interesting. Right. Look, yeah. look
1: at that. Is it you know? Is it because they didn't they didn't present as well as? Paul did, or that they gave uh, insights that they didn't have?
0: It could have been. Yeah, yeah it could have been. Plus, yeah, they might have been losing people. Okay. In other words, if people said, we want to follow Paul, we right. want to be discipled in uh-huh. the gospel, they might have felt, oh, we're losing our people. Sure. We don't know. Yeah. But they were persecuted. Mm. This often happens when the gospel is preached. Mm-hmm. A persecution will follow. So, again, he goes to the synagogue. These are religious people. Right. These are people that once they know the scripture, Mm -hmm. then they'll follow Jesus. Turn back just for a moment to chapter um, 14 in Acts of the Apostles. Chapter 14, and this is a famous situation um, where Philip is sent by the Holy Spirit to go minister to uh, a man um, who was just up in Jerusalem. And if you you look in... uh, uh, Chapter fourteen, and Mm -hmm. it's also we're going to see this is going to be in the um, uh, as as Paul testifies, many people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? Mm -hmm. But look at um, let's look at right um, where Paul will say, look at chapter sixteen for a minute. This is the famous chapter sixteen. Yeah. So look at verse uh, thirty-one, where they will now. Um, call upon the Lord. Okay. You see, how the, look at yeah. verse uh, chapter fifteen
1: or sixteen. You tell me. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh Thirty-one. Mm-hmm. They replied, "Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household."
0: That's 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 the critical issue. Is yeah. once you once you get to that point, uh, it, it it's not just going to affect you as an individual. Yeah, your whole family. It's, it, it's actually going to affect uh, yeah. the entire family. Right. And this is. This is kind of what we're going to be seeing in the, as, you, as you study the Gospels, as you study um, how God leads, mm-hmm. opens up the Scripture, and then you see uh, how they accept uh, Jesus Christ as their Savior. Right. And this, again, this is, if, if you stay with that, if you just jump to chapter 13, this is what God commands. Look at verse 47. Look at verse 47. Verse 47? mm Okay.
1: For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth.
0: Okay. So who's the Gentiles, I mean, in this situation?
1: It's it's everybody, right? It's all of us. Everybody
0: that's not a Jewish person is a Gentile. I mean, that's kind of like why we're sitting in this... Mm -hmm radio station this morning absolutely as as gentiles uh god has called us Mm -hmm. god has you know given us the opportunity uh to respond um to the gospel and this is
1: important because as we think about the mission groups that are coming that are here and also our our interview today good point this is the take-home message for everything we're doing and why we're here good too i mean it's not just the mission groups it's you and i it's mark uh, it's the fact that this is a Christian radio show. Th- th- this is our main command uh, right? F- from our Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and earth. That's so what we're l- supposed to be doing. It.
0: Let's look at a foreigner that comes to Jerusalem. Look at uh, Acts chapter 8, Acts of the Apostles chapter 8, um, and it tells about this, this man. Yeah. Um, look at verse 27, Acts chapter 8, verse 27.
1: Verse 27.
0: This is Philip being sent by the Holy Spirit to this man, okay. So
1: he started out, and on his way, he met uh, Ethiopian, Enoch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Kandak, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship.
0: Okay, now, he's a foreigner. He's from Ethiopia. He's very influential. He's Mm -hmm. like a treasurer, you know, secretary of treasury. But he's going to Jerusalem to worship God. he He's not a believer yet, but he, he's, he's what's called a God-fearer. He's interested in the things of mm-hmm. God. And he's got the scriptures. Notice Philip goes up to him. This man's in a chariot. He's probably in a large yeah, caravan, okay? Right. He's going back home and he's reading a scroll. So verse 30, it says, so Philip ran up to him yeah. and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and he says, do you understand what you are reading? He's reading from the scriptures, yeah. just like Paul opened yeah. the scriptures uh-huh. in the synagogue. And he says, says, how can I understand unless somebody guides me? In other words, I got the scripture, but I don't really understand it that well. And he asked, Philip, come sit with him. And the place in the scripture was, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb to a shearer is silent. He opened out his mouth in his humiliation. This is Psalm, famous Psalm 53. So the eunuch answered, Philip said, I ask of you, whom is this prophet saying this? Then Philip Opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preach Jesus to him. He's preaching Christ out of the Old Testament, same thing Paul is doing in the synagogue. Yeah. And as a result of that, the eunuch comes to Christ. He says, I, I believe, I want to be baptized. Can you imagine when this guy goes back to Ethiopia? Oh, he's an influential yeah. person, but he's going back as a Christian right. with an understanding mm-hmm. of the gospel, mm-hmm. of the scriptures.
1: Yeah. People listen. That's it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay, let's go back to Acts chapter 17. So here we see religious people that have access to the scriptures, but need more, more information of how the scripture, so that's, that gives you an example of somebody that came from uh-huh. a faraway country, right, and then um, came to know Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. Well, as promised, we have a special guest with us, uh, Christy Statz, and it's um, good to have you on board, Christy. There's
2: great to be here. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. And
0: we just opened up a little bit. We were looking at the people movement, and we looked at particularly Acts chapter 17, uh, how Paul reached different people groups, uh, and he kind of tailored his message to the audience he was trying to receive. But we're very happy now. We know that uh, you've been involved in ministry with people, especially people that were in um, transition, relocating, immigrate, immigrating. Uh, we just talked about, it, and I think you're going to expand on it, I think except for post-World War II, we've never had a movement of so many people due to war, due to persecution, immigration, uh, students, business, as we do right now, right here. So just introduce a little about uh, yourself, tell everybody your name and who you're with and how you got involved in this ministry. This is Mark, uh, the station engineer, the Controls everything here. Good morning, and Christy. Just, yeah, <laughs> nice hey, you. Hey, this Christy. Is David. Thanks for coming. Uh, it, I'm so yeah. glad to be here with you guys. My name is John. Okay.
2: Obviously, and um, it's a great passage to open us up with. Uh, so my name is Christy Statz, and I'm from Northeast Ohio. So grew up in Stowe. and um, I officially work now with the Evangelical Immigration Table, um, and I'm affiliate staff with Crew. Um, some people are more familiar with our old name, Campus Crusade for okay. Christ. Yeah. Um, and so. This month, actually, would have been my 16th year on staff with CREW. So I became affiliate staff about eight months ago. And um, my story of this um, winding road I got to, I was an overseas missionary with CREW, um, served 11 years in the UK. Um, And it was a a great place. I did campus ministry, but most of our students were um, not Christians. And so um, just spent a lot of time talking about Jesus with every worldview. And then um, my church asked if they could borrow me four years ago here in Northeast Ohio. And so I ended up coming what I initially thought was gonna be for two years to help them start a refugee ministry. Um, I turned them down a few times. I said, I have no business working with refugees. And they begged and pleaded and they said, we don't have cross-cultural skills, please help us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I finally agreed to come and um, it was four years ago, and it was actually the month that about fifty—sorry, um, about half the governors decided they wanted to try to block Syrians from coming to their state. Mm-hmm. So I'm a girl who's, I'm a Bible girl, I'm an evangelist. I'd rather hang out with non-Christians mm-hmm. most of the time. Sure. I love sharing the gospel, and I stepped into um, uh, our country at a time where um, refugees had never been controversial, and mm. suddenly people were afraid, mm. and they were being used as a political Um, element and so it was a bit of a baptism by fire in terms of starting ministry. So um, ended up kind of crew gave me this little space. Um, They don't normally lend people to other ministries but they um, let me be on loan to my church Um, and then at kind of at the same time they were trying to figure out where to put me. I actually wrote my own job description Mm -hmm. and um, (laughs) they um, ended up giving space for a handful of us who had all been overseas yeah. um, to start what Crew ends up now calling IIR, so internationals, immigrants, and refugees. Hmm. And that is part of um, the city ministry of Crew. Um, so now there's probably, I think there's about 30 staff. Almost all of them had been, I was the baby at the time with 11 years overseas experience. A lot of them had been overseas for 20, 30, 40 mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. and um, had come back and were trying to figure out a space. And so, um, around the country, Um, it's not, so the IIR staff with CREW, um, it's really quite cool because it looks different in every city, Um, and it's based on, okay, what's the church scene there, Um, what's the engagement with local Mm -hmm. refugee resettlement organizations, Um, other um, nonprofits or like CCDA organizations, Christian Community Mm -hmm. Development, Um, and we end up partnering with uh, Christian organizations, non-Christian organizations. Um, but figuring out, you know, really how do you mobilize the American church to see the global refugee crisis as an opportunity to welcome the stranger, to be obedient to scripture all the way across the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, God commands Israel and then he commands um, the church um, to to feed, clothe, and welcome um, foreigners, Um, but then also the opportunity um, to share the gospel. So, um, and, and one of the things that A lot of people don't realize is there's there's kind of two major um, things happening with Mm -hmm. immigration so on one end you know you have people who are being uprooted from some of the hardest to reach countries on earth um, because of war for the most part or genocide um, who are getting relocated dislocated from their countries who don't want to leave they don't want to leave where they're from but they're often very hard to access countries Mm -hmm. Um, and so because of displacement because of war you know they might end up in Akron, Ohio. They might end up in Lakewood, yeah. um, where the church could welcome them and be a light for the gospel. But then the other thing is a huge amount of um, the mobile, the 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 global migration actually is it's Christians. It's Christians getting moved because of persecution. Or um, so um, one thing um, people haven't we have a lot. We work with a lot of the ministries along the U.S. border. Um, is there those. Um, They don't come through the refugee resettlement program, but they've been asylum seekers on our border. And about 75% of the people coming from the South um, are evangelical Christians um, or Catholics. And so it's a huge portion of people Mm. who um, are our brothers and sisters in Christ and really could be revitalizing the American church. So we talk about numbers declining or people leaving the church in my age category and actually I I keep meeting amongst immigrants like pastors Mm -hmm. and church planters Mm -hmm. um, who come from Hindu backgrounds from Nepal or they come from the Congo and um, they're here and they want to start a church in the first few months of arriving Um, and so that's a real opportunity for the US church.
0: Christy, just a couple quick questions uh, by way of introduction. Can you tell us how you came to Christ, how you became a believer and then why you, uh, that led to your missionary heart, and then eventually to predominantly student ministry in Europe and then and I'm gonna back, back uh on that too what what in your university experience and outreach what is the biggest obstacle or distraction for those students coming to Christ or continuing with Christ once they make a commitment because we know there's such a migration from the faith, once they go to university, so uh, mm-hmm. answer a couple of those foundational, and then I want to get in more specific with the crew, and what yeah, how yeah. churches respond or don't respond to this this opportunity.
2: Yeah, um, so I came to faith at a young age. Mm-hmm. My parents are both believers, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, it was I was in the Bible from the womb, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. so I the story mm-hmm. is my mom led me to faith. I don't actually have a memory of not knowing Jesus. Well. Um, But my mom led me to faith when I was about five years old. Wow. Um, And so I have a very simple faith in terms of I can relate to Timothy. Um, It's like I just grew up in the faith, Um, knew Jesus. I remember being a middle schooler the first time I understood that people didn't know Jesus and what the implications of that were. And I remember coming home from school one day and crying because I realized the boys who had lockers on either side of me were not Christians and didn't know the Lord. And I was super shy and one... Uh, and I wasn't going to talk to either of yeah, them about yeah, Jesus because yeah. I wasn't going to talk to them. And so, um, yeah, so the Lord had just been growing me. Is that me. in Cleveland? Uh, I went to high school at Stowe High School. Stowe, okay. Yep. And so so then I ended up going to Miami University in mm. Oxford, Ohio. And so I went in as a Christian who had already been, like, mucking my way through trying to learn to share my faith mm-hmm. in high school, trying mm-hmm. to be, you know, live my faith publicly Um, but I didn't really have a lot of equipping. So, so I really, so I kind of came to college looking for a Christian ministry to join. Um, so I visited all the Christian ministries on campus the first week or so and picked crew. Mm -hmm. And what ended up grabbing my attention was, um, I remember meeting somebody very early on, probably my first month of school as a staff person, um, named Grant Scott. And he was like, Mm -hmm. Christy, like Campus Crusade for Christ, so that's the name of the time. We are a student-run ministry, and we exist to equip you to win, build, send, to share your faith and disciple mm-hmm. others. And I was like, I'm in. Mm. Um, and so it was really formative for me, and that was um, that was the kind of launch pad to my international life as well. So I ended up going on a trip with Crew when I was a sophomore, to Kosovo and it was 2001 it was Mm. still very unstable on paper it looks like a disaster of a trip we ended up kind of pseudo getting smuggled in not smuggled in. snipers
0: and all still going on oh snipers were going on so
2: just before we left (laughs) like the day before we left there was some guerrilla mountain warfare on the border between Macedonia Uh. and Kosovo we land in Macedonia and so they sent us away, and they said, the crew wouldn't do this anymore, but liability, I think, was less of a concern back then. And they had us go pray for two hours and decide whether we were going to stay in Macedonia and do ministry or try to get in the other border of Kosovo by going through Albania. And long story short, a bunch of college students, we ended up taking this like 18-hour microbus trip through Albania to get to the other border. Mm. Um, got, we were there for four days. Um, I had never known Muslims before, and we were paired up with Albanian believers um, and we would talk to you about Jesus and I was so impressed by the Albanians and Is their faith. Really? Um, and the kind of cost of following Jesus that it mm. had for mm. a lot of them. Um, we saw students come to faith and then, um, we got a call four days in um, that they were going to lock down the country and we needed to get out of there. So we actually got taken to the border where all the warfare had happened the week before and dropped off and drivers couldn't cross each other's borders. So we had to wait for someone to pick us up. Jeez. So that was my kind of taste into, wow. um, the globe, uh, I don't have a high fear factor. so, no, so going to
1: say, it not. So
2: it's been funny with my life now, and I'll come back to that student one, but this kind of makes sense. So a lot of my job now is actually offering discipleship to the church with the evangelical immigration table and, and helping the church see how do we view immigrants through a biblical instead of a political mm-hmm. lens? How do we welcome the stranger? Sure. And I end up seeing a lot of people who are really quite fearful. And so I think one of the checks the Lord has given me is we do need to move the church over. Mm-hmm. We can't live there. That's not yeah. what it, it leads us to disobedience. We don't follow Jesus. We don't welcome the stranger. We want to. We want to block people from coming to the country when we think that way. But I'm also like, okay, girl, your first trip was at Kosovo and. This you 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 don't have a high fear factor compared yeah. to the average person, um, and I've been to worse places than that since then um, in terms of safety. So I'm I'm always kind of remembering like okay, it's a gentle nudge and a gentle kind of ushering people over and helping people engage sure. more faithfully rather than fearfully. Um, yeah, but in sure. terms of college students, um, I, I well I just being frank, I didn't work with students in the states at all after I left college. So. I don't think I can really speak to um, the current generation of college students. Um, but I, I think the one that I I see amongst my peers and, and younger is I think people are looking like, is our faith credible? Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. I honestly think one of the biggest stumbling blocks to students, and it's not the stumbling block that was in the UK. So the UK. I worked with agnostics, atheists, Muslims, pretty sure. much. That was my life. Most of them mm-hmm. were unchurched, so it was actually really refreshing. Yeah, I didn't have to undo baggage um, for the mm-hmm. most part, like Christian baggage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was great. We started with, we started with creation usually. That's it. Um, and so um, it was. I I really enjoyed doing ministry there and building a foundation from nothing. Um, here you have the issue of baggage, and there's a lot of people who. Um, they hear their family preach the gospel to them, yeah. and then they see hypocrisy, mm. and that I think is actually probably one of the biggest. Um, I, there was a handful of college students involved with um, our refugee ministry at our church, and talking to them, um, seeing my friends who have all left the church since college, mm. um, the a lot of them it's a it's a it's actually the church I think is the biggest stumbling block. Okay, so cool. yeah, uh, so that has been. Really sobering, and I think it's a, it's a a good reason for us to be faithful, to be obedient to Jesus, to have a consistent, um, a consistency between we proclaim the gospel, right. and then we live the gospel. Um, right. Yeah. But I think syncretism in the church, like adding mm-hmm. in ideas that aren't really biblical, um, that ends up being a big stumbling block to a lot of people.
0: Okay. Well, thank you, uh, Christy. You know we're going to. Uh, Give out some contact information for crew as well as the specific ministry that Christy is involved today in Northeast Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want you to give that out in a second, mm-hmm. Christy. But if any of you have a question, um, just give us a call at 440-399-3044. You might want to know more about Christy's ministry and what she's part of. I mean, this is this is big today. This this, this issue and this opportunity. And especially as believers, you know, mm-hmm. the church is a community within a wider community, and yeah. sometimes we don't realize that we are <laughs> our 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 objective and our goals are different than, let's say, a country or a, a wider. It's it's very different sometimes. So give us a call again if you have any problems hearing this. Uh, we found out that if you're beyond our signal range, just just live stream us at www.wnzn.org nzn.org and uh, i've known crew i've lived overseas for many years in thailand i've seen the refugee work going on the thai myanmar border a town we used to live there Mm -hmm. but i remember seeing crew particularly with university outreach uh, where they first their 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 campus crusade for christ founded by bill bright great man of god and why i was very interested in him not just because of the university outreach which is extremely important population to reach uh, with the gospel, but his emphasis on prayer and fasting. I was always attracted mm. to that. Anyhow, so Christy, let's pick up on that. You, you gave us a, um, a bit of your testimony, how you got into Europe, into international uh, ministry, specifically in England with uh, university, and then being called back here to head up and be part of the, the big uh, influx of immigration and refugees, uh, uh, displaced people at times. And then specifically, how do we as believers mm-hmm. um, respond in a biblical way? Not mm-hmm. simply, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm a conservative, I'm a liberal, therefore I'm going to respond in kind. But yeah. how do we uh, respond? And then perhaps you can give some resources. So yeah. just feel free to yeah. share, but David, prior to yeah, I Yeah,
1: just before you get started, Chrissy, you know, is it true we've got, a, what, close to 12 million people living in the U.S. without legal status? Yeah, just is, over is 11. Is that the number? Yeah, yeah. I just looked at that the other day. And then, you know, the real challenge, I think, for a lot of people, even including me, and John and I were talking about this on the way up, because when he went to Thailand, he had to follow certain procedures mm. to live in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a citizen in the U.S., you, you, you don't want people breaking laws as they come into this country. But as we start to, because because the, the, that is a whole train wreck when we take a look mm-hmm. at everything else, the domino effect across other areas of our legal system. But in the same breath as we start to think about being a Christian and we mm-hmm. look at it, you know, um, it, it, it's a challenge. You know, Jesus said in Matthew twenty two twenty one, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. Jesus followed the law. You know mm-hmm. and and he came through and then this is the one I really love though as I start to think about mm-hmm. what you're all about yeah. Hebrews 13 two, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by so doing some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it without mm-hmm. a word so yeah. I'll, I'll turn it over to you so explain
0: that tension I, there yeah that, that. I love that I love it
2: that's a big one um well so this has been the most eye-opening area for me the last four years um was coming back and initially i was going to work with refugees yeah. which the u.s refugee resettlement program which um, i don't know if you're watching the news but as of this week um the president's at the lowest number ever in its existence and there's a good chance so 18,000 for the next year and there's a good chance that it'll close the program entirely so the infrastructure will just fall apart Um, and normally we receive about 95,000 refugees. And so annually, annually, yep. So so when I first came, I had a very specific slice of immigrants to work with and refugees, um, the U.S. Refugee Resettlement Program um, in its formal nature has been around Mm -hmm. since 1980. Um, It is a legal, um, documented way of coming into the U.S., Mm -hmm. and all the processing happens somewhere else. So you get displaced from, for example, Syria to Turkey. Mm -hmm. Um, They apply for refugee status. Um, At the time, a few years ago, only 1% of refugees would ever get a second place to live or third home to live. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of people just spend their lifetime displaced in a country that either won't allow them to ever have legal status, and right. so they're working under the table, sure. or they're in formal refugee camps, such as the Myanmar border, That's what we saw. Um, with those, um, a lot of the Karen, which yeah. are being resettled in the area, have right. come from, um, basically an ethnic cleansing happened in Burma, yeah. and drove people, and they lived in camps in the in the Myanmar border for, for years and years and years, um, and so, so that slice, like, people come in, they're vetted outside the yeah. country, so... All of our security agencies are involved in that FBI, CIA, NSA, um, Department of Homeland Security, and the State Department. Um, and so it was like the safest, easiest, clearest way to know who's coming in mm-hmm. was our yeah. refugee resettlement program. But due to politics, that really has taken a hit very badly the last couple years. Um, and so, and which now the question this week has been is it going to close? So then separately, when you look at our opportunities for how people come legally, what I didn't know was there are very, 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 very few opportunities for people to legally immigrate to the U.S. Is that right? Um, and so you can come on a marriage visa. You can come on an H-1B. You can come on a, I think it's called an H-4. so
0: Student,
2: student visa. And so, but a lot of the visas we have, it's like you need to have a doctorate. Um, and so, so there In a lot of categories there, and then even the refugee um, resettlement program, so every year there's a like a pie graph that you could look up and it's like, these are the countries we are gonna receive refugees from. None of them were from our global south, um, or our, uh, sorry, not the global south, none of them were from the south of the US in terms of Central America and Latin America. Um, Hmm. And so if you are fleeing violence from, for example, Venezuela, Hmm. or you are fleeing violence from, from gangs in El Salvador. Right. There was no way, you didn't qualify under the, the allocation of people to come through the refugee resettlement program mm. and there was no other way for you to come legally. So um, hmm. so that for me was really eye-opening, was okay, we talk about people needing to come legal and then right. it's like what do we do when our system, so one of the things that Evangelical Immigration Table wants to see happen and I find it so funny that I'm here because I'm like, I'm an evangelist, but we want to see immigration reform happen. Mm-hmm. And and part of it, you know, it's going back to um, the big picture scripturally of, you know, what does it look like to be a good citizen? Yeah, I'm a citizen primarily of heaven. I, right. I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm a citizen of the kingdom but then as i'm a believer and god has planted me in a different country or in a different context or culture what does it look like for me to live kingdom values where i am and so i come back to the states and i just had no idea you know i was an immigrant in the uk i eventually naturalized i picked up a second citizenship and there was just a really clear process um but there's not that mm. for for many coming here and um and so the 11 million going back to that um there are definitely people who just, they come, they overstay a visa. Um, most people don't realize this, but our biggest number of undocumented are Canadians. Is that right? Yeah, so it's not, people People have this assumption it's Mexicans, but ah. it's Canadians, are our ah. highest number of undocumented. Um, uh, and so there's a lot of people who come, visa overstays. Visa overstays are actually the main reason we have undocumented. It's not people who are coming to a border. Um, whether it's Canada and or Mexico and coming across on their own, uh-huh. it is actually they did come through a particular visa, student visa, work visa. It didn't get renewed and they just stayed. Um, but one of the things that I ended up discovering, and I, this is it's felt really holy Spirit led. Like the Lord has just been like, okay, Chrissy, I'm gonna let you see this. Sure. Okay, I'm gonna let you see this. It's I've met people who came legally, Something happened, it was not their fault, like maybe a lawyer messed up paperwork or something. Mm -hmm. Um, The girl who I'm replacing, um, who worked kind of in my area of the EIT the last few years, um, she came on a visa from China with her mom. And when they went to renew their visa, the lawyer didn't um, put her paperwork with her mom's, Mm. and she became undocumented. So she's a DACA recipient now. She's been here for 20 years. She's 30, and they've never been able to fix her paperwork. So if DACA gets taken away, which the president tried taking it away like about a year ago, and it's been kind of fought in the courts right now, she would be undocumented and she you know she has advanced degrees she now works in in the business world um but um the they didn't put her paperwork with her mom and there's no way to fix it once it's broken so you kind of have a mixture of there are people who just stayed there are people who did everything right something happens and we have such a system that once something's broken, it's not fixable. And then and then you also have the issue of um, our so our economy and the needs for it. So um, my mom grew up on the Texas-Mexican border. Um, my grandparents were missionaries to Mexico for mm-hmm. probably 50, 60 years. Yeah. And they, they went down in their 20s and they stayed down there until uh-huh. they passed away. Um, and so that border particularly, um, it used to just be open and flow. So I mean, people would just just go back and forth, back and forth. And it was both a social thing. Mm -hmm. So I remember as a kid even um, in the 80s, like just walking across the border to go shopping or walking, you know, like it was just a very fluid border. Um, But in the kind of late 80s, we started militarizing the border more. Uh Um, And what started happening is instead of keeping immigrants out, it actually started keeping immigrants in. Um, And that reason was... It used to be there was this cycle from migrants would come work our farms. It was mostly men. And so they would come and they'd be here like half of the year. And then they'd go back in November. They'd have big celebrations with their family and they'd be with their family in the winter. So people didn't want to move to the States. They wanted work. Our farms and our businesses needed and it was, jobs. Yeah, right. Yep, and then they'd go back, and so it was our our flow, our net flow, and our our net migration was actually zero from Mexico. Like it it wasn't, um, yeah, it was zero, despite a huge number of people coming in every year. When we started militarizing the border and started making it harder for people to get in, instead of people staying out people came in with their families. So they still needed the work. Our farms still needed the laborers. Um, there's actually a huge shortage of laborers right now with our farms. They've been yeah. bugging Congress for years for more visas and they've not Even been given them. Visas. Yep, they've been so, bugging them for work visas. Okay. So what's um yeah
0: what when you come in contact with a church because much of your ministry is trying to relate to churches mm. and pastors in particular yeah. or outreach divisions. Um a, where's your headquarters? And, and I want you to give out contact information if people need more information or want to get a hold of the resource or maybe even have you come speak at church or to a Sunday school. Uh, and then go over your principles. I really like, um, your, you guys got a really good website here. Yeah. Uh, but I you like <laughs> are
2: improving your... it even more. Is that so, right? is, there should be a few more updates to make a few things I like more findable. Good, yeah. I
0: like good websites it's, it's, it's that are user-friendly. Oh, okay. Me, right Me
2: too. But um,
0: it has evangelical Christian leaders we call for a bipartisan solution on immigration that... And you have these subpoints, bullet points: respects the God-given dignity of every person. I like that's number yes. one. Okay, uh-huh. protects the unity of the immediate family, mm-hmm. respects the law, which you went to, David, in Romans thirteen. Yeah. Guarantees uh, secure national borders, ensures fairness to taxpayers, establishes a path toward legal status and/or citizenship for those who qualify and who wish to become permanent residents. In a sense, this this answers so many questions. Yeah that people might have on on from this spectrum to that spectrum mm-hmm. uh, but particularly within the Christian community because I think a lot of times we Christians go a little to this side or yeah. to that side yeah. and we don't understand okay what is what is scripture intending for yes. us to do yeah. what mm-hmm. ministries are available to move in that scriptural way and then you hear the clamor from the political mm-hmm. from this side from that side mm-hmm. but how do we Uh, go in this particular direction, and maybe you can address that, but in practical terms, Christy, where's your headquarters? How can people get in contact with you? And I want you to talk about resources later, and then I know it's giving be too much, but yeah, then how yeah. do you relate to churches if a pastor or a mission board or a Sunday school wanted to get the hold of you?
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, first, let me plug an event that anyone, if you can drive to it, mm-hmm. if you're in Northeast Ohio, mm-hmm. and that might be a taster of us that people might enjoy. So on October 23rd, it's a Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Um, at the Hope Center on Triscuit Road, which is the church that Building Hope mm-hmm. in this City Runs, um, so they run a like a immigration mm-hmm. refugee ministry center there. Um, Matthew Sorens from World Relief, so he's the head of Church Mobilization for World Relief, which is the evangelical arm mm-hmm. of refugee resettlement, um, and he's written a couple books. He's written Welcoming the Stranger and oh, yeah. um, Seeking Refuge. Um, he is going to be speaking. Um, so that's October 23rd, Trisket Road, the Hope Center. He's a
0: big guy in this whole movie. Yeah, yeah, so um, yeah,
2: so, right. so, kind of, and then I can tell you about our headquarters and all that. But so Matt, um, he actually helped start the Evangelical Immigration Table. So it was his idea. He's huh. been working in this space for years and years and years. Um And so um, we actually don't have a headquarters. so there's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a handful of us, like me, are around the country. Um, We have a virtual team, Um, so I work with Matt. I'm on phone calls with him all the time. Um, But that particular event, it'll be, I I forgot to tell you what it was was about. Um, It's gonna be called Thinking Biblically About Immigration. And so um, it will be a great space um, for people who have questions. So for people who are like, I'm not sure about this, I want people to come the legal way. it'll be a good space for you to come and engage, kind of learn about mm-hmm. the, the legal way isn't really there for a lot of people um, and the current legal ways are disappearing actually mm. at the moment um, and so... Um, But what I love most about when Matt talks is he's just grounded in scripture. So it will be, um, if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this radio, be prepared, you're going to hear a lot of Bible. Um, But Matt just has a really great way of engaging um, wherever people are on this um, journey of understanding our immigration system. Um, But we're going to be talking about thinking biblically and how can the church respond with a biblical lens. And then at the end, um, we'll have a panel. Um, A few of us will be on it. Um, local mm-hmm. ministries, so people from Building Hope in the City, um, a few others, some resettlement oh, Family attencies.
0: Center on Clark Avenue. Him, yeah.
2: Yep. So I can't remember the actual address, but if you if you look up Building Hope in the City, um, their website will have an address. I know it's Trisket Road um, in Cleveland, um, so it's kind of close to Lakewood. Um, yeah,
0: that church has actually been... It's an old CMA church. Yeah, man. it's been really the nucleus... For the immigration. My wife Mm -hmm. and I stopped up there. We were directors of our mission organization and we had some tie in there. Who was the director back then? This was about four years ago, uh, lady. But I mean, they were mobilizing. People were like doing internships Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden Cleveland actually addressed this, but isn't Cleveland one of the major cities for influx of? what particular population group was coming? To, immigrants were coming to Cleveland?
2: You know, um, a there's a handful. I know there's a lot of Congolese coming. Um, I don't know Cleveland's big ones. I know Akron's a lot better. Okay,
0: okay. Cambodia, um, yeah.
2: But, yeah, so it's it's really cool. So Cleveland and Akron, two fun facts about them. Both of them were re, were really rescued from the 2008 crash by refugee resettlement. Um,
0: yeah. So
2: one of the things that comes in, so um, part, of, part of refugee resettlement is... They're given a very tiny loan. It's like less than $1,500 to get on their feet in the first three months. It has to cover housing, mm-hmm. um, you know, bills, etc., um, which the refugee resettlement organizations allocate. Um, they, have to, they sign a promissory note before they leave whatever country they've been stranded in that they're gonna pay back their travel loan to the U.S. government, they start paying it back within six months, and they have to start, they have to start working the first month. So one of the first things that you do when a new immigrant comes is that first month, they go to a dozen appointments, including, they go get signed up for a social security card, they go get signed up for, for work. Huh. Um, and so the tax um, influx that they bring in with New jobs and also immigrants are. Sixty um, percent of immigrants end up starting their own business, and so That's I believe that. I believe that you it. just have yeah. these people who yeah. they're they they've they've lost everything. Yeah. They've right. started at bottom, and it's honestly the most beautiful. It is the ultimate American dream attitude. Yeah. People come in and they just want to rebuild their lives. They work hard, and so both Akron and Cleveland significantly benefited economically from the immigrant population um, and the influx of That's new immigrants. Unfortunately, a lot of people are leaving the Midwest, uh, like, yeah. and so there's this drain on going our... Going south, up yeah. to the
0: warmer, yeah. Yeah,
2: they're going down south, or they're going, they're moving to the bigger cities. My generation, a lot of people didn't come back after college. Absolutely. And yep. so it actually ends up being a drain on the economic base, mm-hmm. and so the new immigrants coming in and working is, is good. So, so what is the
0: response of the churches? I mean, A, do they kind of open the door to you to get this message in there? Uh, is there cooperation? Uh, what, what type of church is open and welcome. Would, uh, just generally give me a sense of yeah.
2: that. Um, there is a, uh, so I've been doing this four years and I've worked with um, scores and scores and scores of churches and there's a complete range um, from, you know, uh, and, the, and the most beautiful thing is when I have seen God's people engage scripturally and say, okay, how do we serve? Right. How do we get involved? Um, and so what I got to see, you know, in my area is all these, all these, Ladies in their 50s and 60s and 70s retirees or their grandchildren were on their own and they're going down into Akron and they're Having dinner and drinking tea with Afghans every week. Mm. I mean that is beautiful A friend of mine Risa. She's retired She has loads of grandchildren and she's now added like a dozen Afghan children that are her grandchildren now too She gets them all Christmas presents, but she's Mm. with these two families every week um, if she's not out of town visiting her own grandchildren, she is visiting <laughs> these two families and, like, all in. And she's kind of gone to bat for them. She helped them switch school districts. Oh, um, wow. They really, um, this summer, were struggling where they were. And so she got them into a Catholic school um, that she thought this would be better for their, their academics. And so, um, so it's been really fun seeing that end of things. And, but then I've also, you know, seen – so and I'd say – I'm, I'm very theologically conservative. Um, theologically liberal churches are... They love refugees. Mm-hmm. They want to help. Um, your mainline churches, they're all in. Um, I'd say both the most beautiful engagement I've seen from evangelical churches, and I've also seen the the toughest attitudes. So I, I had a pretty rough experience at one point a couple years ago where I was in a board meeting for a church who had invited me to come in and run a refugee Sunday for yeah. them so the church was for what we were doing sure. and um, somebody asked a question and I answered it um, it was a question about how like refugees get the, get here and I answered the question and um, I had a lady um, stand up start shouting at me called me a liar and stormed out of the room oh boy. Um, and so yeah so I've seen that hard end of things so I think One thing, particularly with churches in my kind of theological bent, um, amongst more conservative evangelical churches, um, there's been this. I'd say a lot of the pastors tend to be, um, they know that this is biblical, they know we should talk about this, but the congregation is less so with them. So there's a kind of a split between where their pastor is Mm -hmm. and where their congregation is. a lot of the conservative evangelical churches, that's where people are more afraid or they want people to be blocked out of the country or they don't want refugees in their area. Um, and I've been grateful to, to really see a lot of the good people in those churches, yeah. especially as I've helped start ministries, like those are the people that have come to the surface. But um, I've also been really concerned from a biblical end of, you know, these are people that I respect theologically. Sure, right, right. And that is where I'd say across the board, the, the hardest spaces are um, sometimes for engaging with this. Um, and so there's kind of two things at play. So, one, I think sometimes the church is just under discipled. So, yeah. we, we actually are not getting our cues from our Bibles. We're getting our cues from our favorite news show. Yes, right. Um, we're, um, the Evangelical Immigration Day before I worked with them, um, they did a poll. Um, they had Lifeway <coughs> Research do a, a poll of Christians about three years ago. And um, when it comes to the topic of immigration or immigrants, those who had ticked all the boxes that would make them theologically evangelical, only twelve percent got their views on immigration from the Bible. Um, so most of them were getting their views from the news. They were getting their views from social media, um, and that's you know from yeah. a, you know yeah. a put the controversial subject aside. That's yeah. actually just really problematic spiritually for what's going yeah. on in our yeah, churches. Exactly. Um, that we're kind of turning to these sources that are not speaking life, they're not speaking truth, they're not speaking what Jesus would say. Um, and so so that's been a lot of my job is I go to pastors, I'll talk to them, and I'll say, you know, could we run events in your church? And, and, we, and I really try to like tailor them for, like, it's not like one size fits all, I'll sit with a pastor and I'll say, what's your church like? Hey, how's their views on evangelism? Yeah, yeah. What are they thinking about missions? Do they know people of other ethnicities um what's the fear factor here when it comes to talking about immigration um and then we'll kind of come up with something that that works for them and you know put together events it could be we're going to do a little discussion group it could be um this summer i um spoke with matt sorens actually at the crew conference the big like national yeah. conference for crew and um the whole conference was about evangelism this time that was the theme of the conference. Mm-hmm. So we did um, a big seminar on the global refugee crisis and the Great Commission.
0: Good. Now, I'm, I'm so. out of curiosity, where's Cruise Headquarters? Is in uh, Florida?
2: Cruise Headquarters is in Orlando, Florida, yes. That's what I
0: thought. Yep. We only have a couple minutes left, Christy. I want you to tell about some of the resources, and how yeah. people can get in contact with you, Great. and also... Uh, give out this website and the movie. I thought was uh, yeah, the good stranger. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, so, that was good. Yeah, it was good, Very stuff. good
2: So the website you can go mm-hmm. to evangelicalimmigrationtable.com. dot com. Um, that's evangelicalimmigrationtable.com. dot com, and we it's it's a great website. We're actually trying to make it even more user friendly and make some things a little bit more findable. But a few resources to highlight. Um, This spring, um, the EIT came up with a new series of videos highlighting each of our six principles. So the EIT is made of, there's ten organizations that sit on the table. Um, The Southern Baptists, um, the Assemblies of God, Bethany Christian Services, World Relief, um, National Association for Hispanic Churches. Mm, I'm going to forget. There's a few others. But it's um, the Wesleyans, the Nazarenes. Um, So... Um, some of the table principles, so people like Dr. Russell Moore Mm -hmm. from the Southern Baptist, he's the ERLC, which is their Ethics and Religious Liberty, um, wing of them, they basically did these small videos speaking to each of the principles of the EOT, so, and kind of expounding on them, and so, um... Shirley Hookster does it. Um, Russell Moore, um, the um, president of the Evangelical, the National Association of Evangelicals, um, he speaks on it. Um, but with it is a an ebook that you might want to download. So it's called Thinking Biblically About Immigration, um, and it's a really great resource that you can sit and make a cup of tea, maybe two cups of tea, and read through it. Um, there's also a film on there called The Stranger. is yeah, a really good film. That ends up highlighting a lot of the, the yeah. brokenness in yeah, our the system. Challenges. Yep. Well, yeah.
0: thank you, Christy. As our time comes to a close, again, uh, Mark, thank you for putting us on the air and getting everything so yeah. the clarity of message gets out. Thank you, Christy. You came a long way this morning, didn't you? Mark? About an hour, yeah. yeah. Oh, and my
2: yeah. email, Christina, with the ch. dot stats, S-T-A-A-T-S, at crew.org. You
0: might want to mention that one more time
2: christina.stats it's like the statistics but with two a's at crew.org
0: okay well god willing now uh, perhaps in a new year we'll bring you back on and we can yeah. uh, maybe you can bring somebody on oh yeah let yeah, walk through awesome. the process yeah. and it, that you know, would be great i
2: have some friends i'd love to give them a chance to share their okay. stories
0: okay and thank you david this yeah, is wncn.org thank you for tuning in this morning and again um uh, these cell uh, will be archived we'll uh Get you a tape of this, and uh, people yeah. that are interested uh, can listen in. Okay, thank you again. Have a great weekend, and uh, God bless you all. Thank you again. Take Christy, care. For stopping Have in. a good weekend, great everybody. Great to be here.